Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In this episode, we go over the topic of renal papillary necrosis from the renal section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 50-year-old man with a history of diabetes mellitus presents to the emergency room for gross amounts of blood in his urine. He denies any pain with urination and has never had hematuria before. He has no family history of cancer and does not smoke. Physical exam is unremarkable. His urinalysis reveals hematuria, proteinuria, and necrotic tissue. Let's now get into the topic. In terms of a clinical definition, renal papillary necrosis is necrosis and sloughing of renal papillae. With respect to the epidemiology and demographics, it is most common in middle-aged adults. It is uncommon in children except in those with sickle cell disease or trait. With respect to risk factors, the main risk factors are sickle cell disease or trait, acute severe pyelonephritis, analgesics such as NSAIDs, diabetes mellitus, tubulointerstitial nephritis, kidney stones causing obstruction, and indinavir, an antiretroviral drug. Note that analgesics such as NSAIDs are one of the most common and preventable risk factors. An example of this is phenacetin. In terms of the pathogenesis, this disorder is due to ischemia. In sickle cell trait or disease, sickling is promoted in the renal medulla. This is due to low oxygen tension, low pH, and high osmolality, pulling water out of the red blood cell and increasing concentration of hemoglobin S. Increased blood viscosity leads to infarcts and causes papillary infarcts. In analgesic use, NSAIDs inhibit prostaglandin synthesis. Remember that prostaglandins vasodilate. This predisposes patients to renal hypoperfusion and ischemia, especially in those with pre-existing renal disease or any other risk factors for renal papillary necrosis. With respect to the prognosis, a negative prognostic variable is involved in concomitant diabetes and older age. Let's now review the clinical presentation including symptoms and physical exam findings of renal papillary necrosis. The primary symptoms include fever and chills and sudden onset flank or abdominal pain. Patients may also be asymptomatic or present with hematuria and pyelonephritis. The main physical exam finding would be tenderness to palpation in the flank or abdomen. Let's now discuss the diagnostic imaging modalities used to diagnose renal papillary necrosis. The three main diagnostic modalities include radiographs, CT, and intravenous urography, or IVU. The indication of radiographs would be if obstruction, such as kidney stones, is suspected. Note that a radiograph is not diagnostic. The recommended views for radiographs are kidneys, ureters, and bladder, also known as KUB. Radiographic findings would include hydronephrosis from obstruction, or you may visualize kidney stones. In terms of the indications for CT, CT is typically performed if patients present with hematuria, even if renal papillary necrosis is suspected, as hematuria can indicate malignancy in the bladder. In terms of views, CT of the abdomen and pelvis would be performed. In terms of findings on CT, you would notice hydronephrosis, kidney stones, ring shadows in the medullae, or loss of papillae. And finally, intravenous urography, or IVU, would be indicated if the CT scan is inconclusive and suspicion for renal papillary necrosis remains high. It would also be indicated if there is no suspicion of obstruction, 
but suspicion of renal papillary necrosis remains high. In terms of findings on IVU, you would notice a ring shadow from the desquamated papillae, also known as a, quote, ring sign. Let's now talk about other diagnostic studies, including lab studies and urinalysis used to diagnose renal papillary necrosis. The main lab study is serum creatinine levels. If there is a sudden rise in creatinine, consider renal papillary necrosis in a patient with diabetes or chronic urinary obstruction. Urinalysis could show hematuria, pyuria, or proteinuria. In terms of a differential diagnosis, the two main differentials to consider are nephrolithiasis and tubulointerstitial nephritis. With nephrolithiasis, a kidney stone would be seen on imaging without evidence of renal papillary necrosis. In the case of tubulointerstitial nephritis, patients often present with a rash, arthralgias, and eosinophilia in the urine. Let's now discuss the treatment of renal papillary necrosis. Medical treatment involves supportive care with fluid resuscitation. This is indicated for all patients. With respect to complications of renal papillary necrosis, the two main complications are chronic pyelonephritis and sepsis. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. First question. A 45-year-old female presents to the emergency department with gross hematuria and acute colicky flank pain. She denies any previous episodes of hematuria. She reports taking high doses of acetaminophen and aspirin over several weeks due to persistent upper back pain. The patient's blood pressure and temperature are normal, but she is found to have proteinuria. Physical examination is negative for palpable flank masses. Which of the following is the most likely diagnosis? 1. Diffuse cortical necrosis 2. Chronic pyelonephritis 3. Autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease 4. Papillary necrosis or 5. Acute nephrolithiasis And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4. Papillary necrosis Acute onset of gross hematuria, colicky flank pain, and proteinuria are characteristic of renal papillary necrosis. Remember, papillary necrosis is caused by the sloughing of necrosed renal papillae into the urinary space. It is associated with several diseases that prompt ischemia of the renal papillae, including analgesic nephropathy, sickle cell disease or trait, diabetes mellitus, and acute pyelonephritis. Overuse of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs causes analgesic nephropathy by decreasing prostaglandin synthesis, leading to constriction of the glomerular afferent arteriole. Let's now review two citations related to this topic. In the first citation, Bacris and Kern review renal dysfunction from NSAID use. NSAIDs are a common cause of acute renal failure. They may also cause interstitial nephritis, marked by proteinuria, or NSAID-associated tubulointerstitial disease. Such disease is more common in women and in the elderly. In the second citation, Jung et al. review the most common causes of renal papillary necrosis. The renal medulla and papillae are vulnerable to ischemic necrosis because of their low blood supply and hypertonic environment. Common etiologies of renal papillary necrosis include diabetes, analgesic abuse or overuse, sickle cell disease, pyelonephritis, renal vein thrombosis, tuberculosis, 
and obstructive uropathy. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, diffuse cortical necrosis, is marked by acute infarction of both kidneys. It is associated with obstetric catastrophes and septic shock. Answer choice 2, chronic pyelonephritis presents with white cell casts in the urine and is not associated with hematuria. Answer choice 3, autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease, or ADPKD, presents with hypertension, flank pain, hematuria, urinary infection, and signs of renal failure. And finally, answer choice 5, though the patient's history of colicky flank pain and hematuria are suggestive of acute nephrolithiasis, her proteinuria and history of analgesia use make renal papillary necrosis a better answer. Next question. A 52-year-old man presents to the emergency department with a 12-hour history of flank pain. He says that the flank pain came on suddenly after dinner, but he went to bed thinking that it may go away in the morning. When he woke up in the morning, he had a fever and noticed blood in his urine, so he came in for an evaluation. His past medical history is significant for diabetes and hypertension. Physical exam reveals flank tenderness and a plain radiograph is unrevealing. Intravenous urography is obtained and the results show ring shadow filling defects. Which of the following is most closely associated with the pathogenesis of this disorder? 1. Crystal formation in the collecting tracts. 2. Immune-mediated interstitial inflammation. 3. Occlusion of segmental renal artery. 4. Sloughing of renal papillae. Or 5. Sloughing of renal tubular cells. And the correct answer choice is answer choice 4, sloughing of renal papillae. This patient with flank pain, fever, and hematuria most likely has renal papillary necrosis, which is associated with sloughing of necrotic papillae into the collecting system of the kidney. Remember, renal papillary necrosis is caused by necrosis and sloughing of renal papillae into the collecting tracts of the kidney. It generally occurs in middle-aged adults and has risk factors including sickle cell disease, diabetes mellitus, and analgesics such as phenacetin. If suspected, imaging should be acquired to differentiate this disorder from other renal disorders. Specifically, plain radiographs can be used to rule out radio-opaque kidney stones and may also show hydronephrosis. Computed tomography or CT is also usually performed to rule out malignancy. Intravenous urogram is usually diagnostic because it will show ring shadows from desquamated papillae, also known as, quote, ring sign. Let's now review the incorrect answer choices. Answer choice 1, crystal formation in the collecting tracts is associated with nephrolithiasis. However, this disease would most likely present with radio-opaque stones on radiograph rather than ring shadow filling defects on urogram. Answer choice 2, immune-mediated interstitial inflammation is associated with acute interstitial nephritis, however this disease would present with a maculopapular rash and would not have ring shadow filling defects on urogram. Answer choice 3, occlusion of a segmental renal artery is associated with renal infarction, however this disease would also present with nausea and be seen as a perfusion defect in the kidney on contrast CT rather than ring shadow filling defects on intravenous urogram. And finally, answer choice 5, sloughing of renal tubular cells is associated with acute tubular necrosis. However, this disease presents with signs of volume overload and uremia rather than flank pain and hematuria. 
In summary, renal papillary necrosis can be seen on intravenous urogram as ring shadow filling defects from desquamated papillae. And that's all for this review about renal papillary necrosis. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from these MedBullets Step 1 podcasts so far, please consider leaving us a 5-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you are not already, be sure to follow MedBullets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.